Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. So if I knew we would end up on Swedish television or like programs, I'd have cleaned up my beard for every episode of the podcast. But instead, I didn't know. Yeah, you guys don't know this. Uh, I... I friend of ours or a user that follows us on Instagram, one of the listeners is, I think he goes by Jonas, Jonas Zetterberg. If his name is actually Zetterberg, that's awesome. But he sent us a screenshot of uh, one of our older videos. And I know it's our older video because it's Evan is half the screen. It's before we figured out the four panel solution. I'm twice as famous as you guys. (laughs) Yeah, you are. (laughs) You took half the fame. Um, And it's a, I'm trying to find the name of the program. I don't know what it is. And I tried to Google it, but oh my God, is Google terrible at translating Swedish as if we've learned painfully. It's called uh, Wikigard, Wikigard Verse, VS. I don't know. I don't know if it's TV. I don't know if it's just online, but we were talking about Matthias Brome and uh, it's us on the screen. On TV. Just for for a few seconds. Yeah. Well, Swedish. Yeah. What in the ever living hell? Why did you not send us this link? Just for curiosity more than anything. I thought it'd be funny to tell you guys on air. Got to save the big breaks. So like, is it like, what is this show? No idea. Honestly, I did like, it was between meetings. I did like seven seconds of research. I couldn't find anything. I'm going to ask Jonas, but thank you for sending it to us, Jonas. But yeah, I've got like my, my beard is like curling over. My mustache is curling over my lip. I haven't like trimmed my beard in like four or five days. It's not pretty. And then you have Evan just mouth breathing. Weeks. (sighs) <sighs> yeah, but <laughs> Evan's just in the the camera like this, like uh. <laughs> every time. Brad, your beard is looking full; like your mustache is full. It fills out. Oh, I know, I know it does. And right now, Crystal and I are in a gigantic war because you know Movember's coming up. So obviously, if you have this, the natural solution is to do Movember and. She wants me to do that less than anything else on the face of this earth. So I told her, I'm like, you have to bribe me to get me to not do it. And she hasn't come up with anything yet. So yeah, I grow attached to my mustaches, no pun intended, every single year. (laughs) At the end of the month, I let it go a couple more weeks because I love that little guy. I uh, have a feeling I'm going to love it. Like not because it's good, but because it's hilarious for like a week, week and a half. And then I'm going to hate it. But I, I... I can't half-ass things like I have to finish the month with it then because, you know, if if you're in, you're all in. Um, So, yeah, I'll probably laugh at myself for a good little bit and then just hate myself again. Yeah. As I usually do. Man, when I was doing the uh, Franz Nielsen, please score a goal beard growing thing. What did that go to? Like eight, nine weeks or something like that? I loved the like I was rocking the beard. I felt really good about it. And then I watched the I looked at the before after pictures a couple months later and I was like, "Oh, I looked deranged. I looked like an insane person." I didn't realize when you grow a beard how like how much it actually curls so you don't realize how long it is cuz like I was I always play with it and I realized that I get all the way out to here before the hair lets go. And yeah. it's just ridiculous. Yeah, and if you don't have like a Depending on how you shave your beard, depending on how your skin is, the the first ingrown hair you get and you see how long those little bastards get, it's impressive. Like, it goes out here. I, I can't ever get it to be that long because then, you know, my Middle Eastern roots will come out. Not that I'm going to airports anytime soon, but still. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just happy I'm about two weeks past the itchy stage. 
Yeah, there is a painful stage. If you don't start combing it, it starts to hurt actually after I a while. I comb it every morning. Are there people who don't? Yeah, some days I'm like, uh, I haven't been outside since Monday until today. <laughs> I didn't go outside all day yesterday and all day today until six o'clock. You got to love that when you don't realize that you haven't been outside in so long. Uh, no, you don't have to love it. Um, speaking of not going outside for long enough, I was thrilled to go outside for uh, groceries today. Uh, I found another case, uh, different flavors of that. I won't name the company because no free ads, but our the sparkling water we were talking about, the flavored stuff. Best. You know what I do every time I try a new flavor? I think, oh, that's really good. It would be really good if it had some like sugar in it. And then I'm like, no, that's the whole point. Yeah. Co- yeah. Like COVID quarantine has turned me into a fat person for sure. COVID 19 pounds. Yeah, 100%. I got at least 19 of them. Probably more at this point. The amount of people I know who have been calling it like the, what do they call it? The freshman 15 or something? Yeah. They've calling it, they've been calling it the COVID 15. I'm like, guys, it's right there. <laughs> it's, it's right there. It's got a name, a number. All you got to say is pounds. Uh, welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Mostly together, I'm Ryan Hanna. Uh, always in a rush, I'm Brad Crisco. And I'm Evan. Evan, who looked at uh, the millionth home that's well overpriced today. Yes. Um, on this episode of the podcast, the big news, obviously, is that Tyler Bertuzzi's arbitration hearing has concluded. The award was handed out, and he has signed a one-year contract with Detroit, um, carrying him to another RFA negotiation this next offseason. We're, of course, going to cover that. We'll be talking more about uh, the tone this sets as Steve Eisman um, continues to shape the team and uh, establish how he wants to negotiate contracts, especially with Anthony Mantha still to be signed. Um, painfully... For me, at least, the draft lottery has become a conversation again. Um, There's news about the AHL potentially starting in February. Uh, Alex Galchenyuk has signed. And then we're going to be talking, of course, about uh, Red Wings over in Europe. Guys like Theodore Niederbach, etc. And then Brad's favorite team, the Dallas Stars, also came out with some fun third jerseys. So we're going to talk about that. Um people who don't watch youtube won't know that like you're so stupid and unfunny glare that brad's giving me right now you know what i'll run with it but i actually just zoned out <laughs> that, was, that wasn't even a glare i used to reading shit while you're doing your intros and then i just kind of pick up on my cue to talk <laughs> so are you is this a rough day with the kids brad oh well i have you seen any of crystal's posts on facebook over the last like three days i saw she threw it her back yeah How'd yeah for all it? intents and purposes i've been a single father for three days so yeah it was a rough few days with the kids ryan <laughs> well i mean we always figured crystal would leave you eventually but yeah this is kind of the dry run for when it actually happens <laughs> <laughs> oh man okay well let's start with uh the bertuzzi arbitration case here um so as we discussed on last episode, which was on Sunday, that was the date of the hearing. Uh, the uh, third-party arbitration had uh, would hand out its decision. Two days later, the arbiter, arbiter, arbitrator uh, did uh, on Tuesday, and Bertuzzi was awarded a one-year, um, three-point-five million-dollar contract, which came down uh, actually closer to the Red Wings side of what they request, what they filed as opposed to what Bertuzzi filed, but not by too much. Um, 
So it's essentially closer to the middle. Um, they were about $1.1 million apart. So, um, it came down on the, on the lower end of what Bertuzzi would have liked, but again, on a one-year deal, all this does is kick the can down the road. So first in terms of value, just on this one deal, let's, let's not look forward value for one year of Tyler Bertuzzi. How do you feel? You're getting a first line player. Who's going to put up roughly 50 points, assuming 82 game season for three and a half million dollars. Like, it really, I understand it really doesn't matter for the Red Wings this year, whether he made 5 million, whether he made 1 million. But if we're just looking at the production versus the value in a bubble, it's a steal. It's an absolute steal. Uh, I thought for sure the arbitrator would get closer to Bertuzzi's number than the Red Wings. So this caught me off guard. I'm wondering if the Red Wings didn't throw maybe a bunch of analytics at, uh, at the arbitrator and go, yeah, he's good, but it's, you know, uh, insert X, Y, or Z here. And uh, yeah, because again, 50-point players don't get paid $3.5 million in the NHL. Now, obviously, the one-year caveat has a lot to do with it because the Red Wings also could have argued, okay, well, we're giving him a one-year deal. This boy going to get paid next year. So, you know, we're trying to save every last dollar we can during the end of the world. Um yeah, again, I'm happy with the dollar figure, not that it mattered. Um, obviously, it was going to be a one-year deal, not a two-year deal, because the Red Wings would have been insane to do that. So that makes sense that they opted for a one-year deal. And uh, yeah, as you said, the can has been kicked. Yeah, like you said, a 50-point player doesn't come that cheap usually, and it's the Red Wings probably lucked into being able to argue that in front uh, in the arbitration process because of, uh, like you alluded to, Brad, the the economic hardship that the NHL is going through. Um, the owners probably aren't working with as much liquidity as they usually are. Uh, the league does not have the kind of revenue that they usually would have. The playoffs are a huge revenue draw, and they missed all, almost all of well, actually all of that because they didn't have any fans in the stands. Um, Things are going to come in cheaper, and it's just a sign of the time. So between that, Steve Eisman being a really tough negotiator who is not afraid to play chicken until the very last second, like he he weighs out the pros and cons and knows what he wants going into a negotiation. We've seen that from his time in Tampa Bay. This was a fantastic value deal. It would have honestly, I would have been really happy with the value if even before uh, the contract or even before arbitration was reached. Detroit came out and said, oh, yeah, we settled with, with Bertuzzi on a one-year deal at 4.15 or whatever Bertuzzi filed for. Like, I would have been like, that's really good value for a, for a 50-point player. What this lower value does is uh, set the baseline a little bit lower for next year's negotiation. And let's say Bertuzzi plays on the first line with uh, Larkin and uh, Mantha for most of the year, does well as he usually does, great. But let's say he plays down the lineup a little bit and doesn't perform as much. That also gives them the leverage to say, well, Mantha and Larkin were driving a lot of your success, which is why on a longer term deal, we're not going to pay you five, six, whatever you're going to be asking for. I wouldn't bet on it but it also wouldn't surprise me if there will be at least a little bit of direction from Iserman to Blash Hill here and say listen we want Bertuzzi to spend a month away from Mantha and Larkin so then that way if let's say he plays 60 games with them and puts up 40 points and then he plays 20 games ish away from them and puts up you know I don't know, eight points. 
he can go. This is why we're not paying him $5 million a year. And if they do that and he puts up his 40 points with Manthan Larkin and then he puts up 15 points without him, okay, good. Now we're less concerned about giving him term. He actually can play anywhere in the lineup and produce because there was a very small stretch, I believe, where he played away from Larkin last year um, and did basically nothing. So that whether or not Red Wings fans want to admit it, it is a very real concern with Bertuzzi. So we have to understand that just because we like the guy, admittedly, he's one of my favorite players on the team. um, It doesn't mean we just throw a blank check at him. And Eisenman knows that better than anybody. He knows you need your role players, you need your core, but you can't overpay everybody. So I'm, I'm curious. Again, we'll be talking about it all year, I'm sure. And I hope Bertuzzi does everything we want of him. I hope he puts us in a situation where we have to pay out the ass for him next year. That's the best case scenario. So if he plays 82 games this year and puts up 70 points, nobody's going to question whether or not we should extend him for five, six, seven, eight years. Yeah, if Bertuzzi does well here and maintains that 50-point pace, I'm happy to sign him with term, like uh, probably up to like, what will he be? He'll be 26 in February, I think. Let's say 27, four or five years. Let's just say a five-year contract hearing him to 32-ish. If Bertuzzi can put together four consecutive 50-point pace seasons, I'm happy to carry carry him to 32. Um, and especially now, like you, you consider the dollar value that Eisman got on this deal. We weren't ever concerned going into this one with Bertuzzi because of the tone set and because of what was filed in arbitration. I'm pretty confident he'll get him in at a good good rate for a, a five-year deal. He'd be buying four UFA years, but again, Eisman's going to have all the leverage next year because Bertuzzi... Uh, will still be a restricted free agent at the end of this contract. So he won't be an unrestricted free agent, and that's a different situation than Anthony Mantha, which we'll get to. Um, all the all the leverage is still in Eisenman's court here, um, or the ball is still in his court. I, I don't want to – I'm always hesitant to bring things up and say that this is a thing, but I think it's worth exploring the concept, even if it's just a hypothetical idea. There's no rumors of this. There's nothing substantial, but – is there any consideration that Bertuzzi gets moved in the short or long term? There's always consideration. I mean, Eisenman's a guy who traded his third overall pick after only being on the team for a few years. He's not shy to make moves. Um, there would be an argument for if Bertuzzi is playing with Larkin and Mantha and he is producing like he has the last couple of years. Yeah, maybe you sell now when he's at an all time high. Like his value will never be more than it is literally right now. The counter to that, and it's the same argument I made when we talked about trading Mantha. You can't get rid of everybody. You got to keep some guys during a rebuild. So you might as well keep the good players. Like if I'm the manager of the ship, unless a team absolutely blows me out of the water with an offer, Mantha, Larkin, Bertuzzi aren't going anywhere. We need some semblance of a core to pull this team out the other end. Yeah, we're ha- we're excited about Zadina, Raymond, Bergren, Cider. Uh, what's the best case scenario for those guys to to truly be the drivers of this team? 3, 4, 5 years? You got to get you got to get the team to that point. So, if we get rid of Mantha and or Bertuzzi and then 
Lucas Raymond comes into the team this year and he's playing with a sophomore Philip Zadina, uh, Robbie Fabry, Dylan Larkin, and what else? It's, it's not going to help. So, I mean, to me, everybody's tradable. If I, I'd trade Larkin for the right price, I'd trade Lucas Raymond for the right price. Obviously, that price isn't going to come along. That's why it never happens. Um, but yeah, I mean, unless it's an absolutely earth shattering offer. I'm thinking about Bertuzzi's extension, not his uh, trade value. In terms of his extension, let's say he goes out and plays how he did last year and the year before, 50 points, something like that. Mostly thrived with Larkin and Mantha. Did okay, but not uh, like didn't light the world on fire playing down the lineup. Um, Not that he's working with the best down the lineup, but it's a little improved. What do you, if you're Steve Eisman, what do you offer Tyler Bertuzzi or what's your number where you won't go higher than that? I think my max for Bertuzzi would be five, assuming he gets the term that he wants. So if he, if he wants to be signed through age 32, which I think would be a six year deal, then yeah, I'm, I'd be looking at a six by five. I think that's fair for a top six complimentary winger who puts up 50 points, understanding that those last few years might be on the rough side because we hope the salary cap goes up by then. But the way the world's going, that is sure as hell not a guarantee. Um, You could make a calculated bet and say, okay, well, yeah, maybe it will. It probably will. Um, So it's worth the risk because 5 million under the cap next year versus 5 million in six years could be two very different pictures. So maybe um, if he wants to go shorter term, I'd probably be willing to throw a few more dollars at him in the AAV. If he wanted to do something like 6 million a year for four years, I think that would be reasonable because even if it goes absolutely sideways, that's not the craziest contract to move or the craziest contract to buy out or even the craziest contract to ride out. It's not like when Abdelkader's went sideways, we had to ride out seven years of it. I mean, if Bertuzzi's first year goes horribly, okay, there's only three years left. It's not good, but it's not the end of the world. So again, like uh, much like Mantha's contract now where it's complicated, I, I see the same scenario with Bertuzzi now next year, assuming he produces very similar to what he's been producing so far. The one thing that is a little comforting with Bertuzzi's extension is he plays the style of game that I think will age better than some players because he doesn't rely on speed and he doesn't rely on the highest skill level. So the stuff that usually diminishes as players get on the wrong side of 30, I don't think it's going to be a huge issue with Bertuzzi because he uses it just by playing smart, playing hard, um, using a little bit of skill. Obviously, he's got really good hands. But if his speed falls off, well, he doesn't have any. So his game's pretty much this exactly where it is now. So unlike Mantha, I'm a little less concerned with, with Bertuzzi's age progression. So if, if, if he's like, I will take a stupidly cheap AAV, but I want seven years, I'd consider it. Evan, what's your take on... Uh Bertuzzi on a long-term contract. It, obviously, it depends. It all depends on AAV. I think more years that he wants, I think the AAV goes down. Um, but honestly, I'd be completely fine with him around five million bucks. I was trying to look up other guys um, 
similar point producers last year with a similar games played and it looks really like the five million dollar mark is kind of where uh, tyler bertuzzi would get paid that's just a very high level analysis looking at games played and points but i would be okay with it if and like brad said you need players on the team and to get us over the hump even if he's not the piece at the end somebody's got to start the the wheels in motion so I'd be completely happy with a semi long term and a five million, maybe even a little bit more than five million dollars uh, AV. Yeah, I think five five and a half is where I'd want to cap out, just because I think that aligns a little bit more with with the way Eisenman wants to build the team. You look at the value he got on Yanni Gord and uh, uh, Braden Point and Steven Stamkos when he signed him, not Vasilevsky, I guess, but who cares. Was uh did, was Vasilevsky an Eisenman signing or was that Breezeball? My gut's telling me it was Breezeball, but I can't. I don't know for sure. I don't care enough to look it up. Um, he, the, Eisenman was always the GM behind eighty percent of our. How did they sign this guy that cheap? Conversations over the last five years. So I'm not. I don't think the AAV will be that high. I think five, five and a half. Yeah, but it would have to be another strong year. Um, it would have to be another strong year, and I'd want to look at a five max six year deal, just because we've had how long of being used to having guys being at the wrong end of their contracts for more of it. If that makes sense, that's kind of just been a trend. A lot of Eisman's work with this team has been bucking the trend, and again, Brad just made a lot of great points as to why Bertuzzi might not age poorly. Um, but I would love to get greedy here when talking about, you know, building a roster and, and bringing players on for their best years and then worrying about the rest afterwards instead of paying them too much for it. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, if, go ahead. If we're talking just the one, two, one thing I wanted to point on, especially if people are wondering what I mean about Bertuzzi's game aging well and still being valuable as he gets older in his career, the player I always look at in terms of comparing Bertuzzi and the role he plays and does it effectively is what Patrick Hornquist has done for the Penguins for the last however many years. He's never been a line driver, but he's been the exact perfect type of complementary player who plays that gritty front of the net role, but is skilled enough to finish chances he gets off the rush and cycle the puck around. But he's got a role, he plays it well, and he's good enough to fill in in other areas. So you put him with a guy like Crosby or Malkin and he plays that role really, really well. And I think he, they, I mean, obviously Pittsburgh just traded him, but he's well into his thirties at this point. So I'm not saying Bertuzzi and Hornquist are apples to apples, but I I think that's about as good a comparison as we can find in the NHL right now. So we are now looking at Anthony Mantha's next deal. And obviously the Bertuzzi contract had a lot of stipulations or has, has a lot of pertinence to Anthony Mantha. Uh, Anthony Mantha is a, also a restricted free agent at the moment. And the big difference between Bertuzzi and Mantha is that um, Mantha did not elect for salary arbitration, which, you know, doesn't bode a world of difference, but it does mean that a third party arbitration process can't occur for Mantha to sign. So that has to happen naturally between Eiserman and Mantha or, you know, whoever's doing the negotiating for Detroit and whoever's doing the negotiation uh, for Mantha. Um, still, Mantha can now accept um, offer sheets, which is almost like it is the most rare occurrence in the NHL because the offer sheet rules are set put in place to 
pretty much prevent them. They're really meant to dissuade GMs because the old boys club hates when any change happens. Um, one of the, the loudest drums that I'm going to beat as of late has been to reduce the offer sheet compensation just to make it a little bit more interesting. Still, Anthony Mantha's uh, UFA year isn't next year, right? It's 2022. If I I'm think he's on the same uh, track as Bertuzzi. Yeah. Yeah. So you need, just off the top of my head, you need to have played seven seasons or be age 27 upon free agency to declare yourself an unrestricted free agent, right? Correct. And so, yeah, that, that'll bring Mantha to next year. So Detroit could be looking at another one-year deal with Mantha. Um, they're not going to sign him to a two-year deal and walk into unrestricted free agency. Um, that said, Mantha is a he, – he's an anomaly. He's kind of – He's kind of a tough player to project right now because he's been injured for so long. Red Wings fans who know Anthony Mantha's game know exactly how skilled he is, know exactly what he can do, know exactly how elite his shot is. And I mean it when I say his shot is elite. Um, But the guy also keeps breaking his hands and wrists. And we won't talk about how he had his last injury with Toronto, but uh, not all of it's his fault, but he doesn't stay on the ice for a full 82 games. And it does take him some time to get warmed up. But when he's warmed up, he is hot on that ice so that talent he knows the talent he has and the team knows the talent he has but it's it's tough right now everything you just said leads me to want to make the gamble on him if that makes sense we know the skills there we've seen him do it uh for a couple years now at a very high level and that and this past season at a really high level if for only whatever 40 ish games that he played this year all the circ it's very rare you get a player at this age who you know how good he is but just through a series of weird circumstances and injuries hasn't had that 70 80 point season under his belt but i don't think there's anybody in the world who would question that he's not capable of putting up 70 80 point seasons this is the guy, if you lock him in long-term now, you could get him an absolute bargain. So if the injury history, I don't even have to say fully fixes itself, but just gets reduced to what a normal player gets, you, you could be walking away with an absolute steal because there's rumors going around that Mantha's contract is going to be like between six and seven million. If Anthony Mantha puts up seven, 70-ish points for the next five years and you're paying him six and a half million dollars, that is an utter steal. Just an absolutely unreal deal. I understand the risk that comes with it because if the injury history doesn't go away and he keeps finding new and creative ways to hurt himself, then yeah. But if it's ever a serious injury, that's what LTIS, LTIR is for. But when he is in the lineup, you know he's a hell of a player. He has way too many tools to be ineffective. He can skate. He can play physical. He's dominant on the cycle. Unreal shot, good hands, underrated playmaker. Man, he he truly is the the six foot five unicorn that teams beg for. Anthony Mantha already is what the Red Wings were hoping Michael Rasmussen would be when they took him at pick nine. And that was with a top ten pick. Now, I think everybody saw at the time that Rasmussen wasn't Anthony Mantha, but the Red Wings apparently didn't know that. So I I mean, if they want to go on a one-year deal with Mantha and just let's see, and and they want more certainty with it, I get it, but you don't get a bargain on a contract after guys coming off a career year, and I would bet Mantha's going to have a career year. 
as long as he stays healthy. So if you want to get him at a discount, odds are now's your only time. Yeah, like I think that gamble is is perfectly calculated, Brad. You look at Mantha, and we just talked about how when he's coming on and off injuries, he tends to to take some time to warm up or you account for normal lulls in the game. He played 43 games last year. Let's say that's half a season just for the sake of the math. With those, like, you know, shaking off the rust, coming back from injury, like getting back to the groove of things games, factored into that, he was still scoring at a 32-goal pace. He had 16 goals in those games. And his it's, point total was damn near a point per game. He yeah. was over a 70-point pace. So you could say, oh, he was only on pace for 32 goals. Okay, well, he was on pace for more assists, which isn't nothing. <laughs> now, here's the thing. Um, we know we know for a fact that Anthony Mantha is one of, if not the most skilled, just raw skilled players in the Red Wings right now. We'll see as Zadina and Raymond progress. Um, and that's not a shot at Larkin, just if you consider the raw skill and the tools Mantha has. The sum of Larkin's parts are more impactful to the team. But again, uh, describing what Mantha can be, we know that. Uh, we also know Eisenman drives a hard bargain. We know Eisenman makes guys work for, for it. And if you haven't proven something, he doesn't pay you for speculative points. He pays you for results. Um, and even then, he has to get his best players, which Mantha fits into, to buy in. Dylan Larkin's making, what, $6 million right now? Something 6. like that? 6.1? 6.1 for the next three years. I don't see... I, I think Eisman would want to tie him closer to that number. I don't think he'd want him to go much more over that. Also, I don't see Mantha having a ton of... Or I would imagine a big focus of Eisenman's here would be to say, fine, we'll sign you long well, long term and we'll give you whatever extra money, but you don't get a no movement clause. Maybe for the first year, if you're, or for the first year, if you want it, or for the first UFA year, sorry, because you can't have that for RFA years. Um, but what Eisenman would want here at least this is my projection, is the ability to ability to pivot away from Mantha. Not if Mantha doesn't do well. Like I don't think there's a big risk of Mantha falling off a cliff here, but let's say the Red Wings rebuild doesn't align with Mantha's best years. He'll want to be able to move him for assets. You don't, you don't want to get stuck with a guy who's, yeah, he'll be good for your team, but not when your team uh, needs it. Then you're going to get Mantha at age 32, 33, which is still probably a good player, but not the same kind of Mantha at age 26, 27. Look at every team that has won the cup recently and they all have one thing in common. They have one or multiple of their star players on bargain contracts. When Washington won the cup, Nicholas Backstrom was making like $6 million. Uh, and even you could argue Ovechkin at under 10 million at the time was a bargain. And John Carlson was making five or six something. When St. Louis won it, Tarasenko was making six-something. Ryan O'Reilly was seven-something. Petrangelo was on his last contract, which was cheaper. Jaden Schwartz, I think, was on something like absurd. I mean, I-, I could go on and on and on. Even you look at Tampa Bay this year. They have the best defenseman in the world for... Is he even at $8 million? I feel like he's under $8 million. I thought it was eight-something. I'll look it up in a sec. Yeah, it- it's just... It's insane. That's what you need to win. It sucks to say. But if the Red Wings paid all their players what they are worth, they would not be able to compete by the time they get good. 7.875, you were right. For the best defenseman in the world. That is absurd. He's $12 million minimum if he goes to free agency in a normal UFA period right now. 
Um, five years left. Victor Hedman, five years left on that contract. It's disgusting. Deal. Yeah. So I, I again, circling back, I understand the risk with signing Mantha long-term, but you got to get a couple of these right or you're not going to be able to compete. And as and the easy argument to say is here, well, we already got Larkin on a bargain. We have Larkin on an absolute bargain right now, but that contract's going to expire before the cup window opens and his next contract won't be a bargain. So you got to start planning ahead for things like that. So if Larkin's up in three years and we think, and his contract goes from 6.1 to let's say like $9 million, you know what helps with paying Larkin $9 million? If you're only paying Mantha six and a half. Yeah. Yeah. And like, look at who's Eisman has signed in the past. He signed Steven Stamkos for eight and a half. So you don't think that that factored into him being able to sign in Victor Hedman at 7.875. Victor Hedman, who ostensibly has a bigger impact on that team than Steven Stamkos and did during the Stanley Cup run. That's what you have to do. And there is a lot to be said. I can't believe we're going to draw this parallel, but we talk about intangibles and hockey players. You need to look at intangibles and GMs and roster construction. Getting guys to buy into a system is important. When Mantha, uh, if Bertuzzi and Larkin and Mantha, the de facto core of this team right now, the, the three most impactful players right now, you know, let's assume not counting Zadina, even though I think he'll have a big year. If those guys all sign for a, a deal that says, wow, that's great value for Detroit, when Zadina signs his deal, when um, uh, Lucas Raymond eventually gets off his ELC and signs his deal, when a future Red Wings draft pick Owen Power signs his next deal, um, his first you know non-entry-level contract, there is a system and there is a, a structure of core players who are buying in and signing for a little bit less because they believe in a winning uh, a winning team. And that's what Steve Eisman is looking to build. And that has started with Larkin, which that f- credit where credit's due. That was a fantastic uh, contract with uh, by Ken Holland. It is continuing now with the rest of the Red Wings this year and Tyler Bertuzzi so far. And it's I, I will bet that it's going to continue with Anthony Mantha. And if not, don't be surprised to see that story end. And it and it's easy to dismiss the contract upcoming contracts of players who haven't even played in the NHL yet. So let's assume Cider and Raymond stay in Europe for this entire season. Well, top players are getting paid out of their entry level contracts now. Th- those two year bridge deals aren't super common anymore. So if Lucas Raymond is as good as advertised, if Mort Cider is as good as advertised, four years from now they're gonna get paid. And if they're not, that's a bigger problem, but let's assume everything goes well. So Anthony Mantha and Tyler Bertuzzi and Dylan Larkin will all likely have contracts still with the Detroit Red Wings at that point. And Mantha's and Bertuzzi's are likely going to be signed in the next calendar year for when, and they will still likely be active when Raymond Insider's next contract comes up. And that's not including Zadina's. That's not including any of the other rookies who might come up and play well. Who knows what happens with, I don't know, Albert Johansson or William Wallander, hypothetically. You, you got to plan on that. The Red Wings don't have a goalie, a long-term goalie solution yet. So God knows where they're going to put that money. So yeah, it's easy to say, all right, it's okay. Let's just kick Anthony Mantha's can down the road and then he pops off for 90 points this year and we're paying him nine and a half million dollars next year. Like it matters. It, it's a risk, but it matters. We're obviously we're less concerned with Bertuzzi because 
I think the Bertuzzi's number is going to probably fall between four and six either way on the AAV. So it's not like that. But Mantha is one forty goal season away from adding two three million dollars to a long term ask. Okay, so that is uh, Bertuzzi and Mantha's contracts discussed. Um, that'll be the last time we ever talk about it. Just kidding. I'm sure it'll be the topic of a lot of conversations for the next calendar year. Um, we're going to move on for now, though. Um, GM meetings had a uh, uh, conversation between the NHL and the GMs, I suppose, where the NHL said to them, okay, if you guys want changes to the draft lottery, please bring forward some proposals. To me, it sounded a little bit like, I don't know what you want us to do. You think of something because we can't think of anything that you guys all agree with. I'm sure Steve Eisman was a big driver of the discomfort and, and the uh, dissatisfaction with the current draft lottery system for reasons that are mind-numbingly obvious. Um, what was funny to me was the discourse online about the draft lottery you know at about lottery time it seemed like everyone and even people who hated the red wings were saying this system is stupid as hell there's no reason why that detroit should be boned so many years in a row and teams like chicago and philly and new york and then new york again and uh, all of these teams should be winning the draft lottery and the worst teams in the league should be left adrift um that was then and this time i've seen a lot of why would we change anything just to reward tanking? And it's just so painful every time life demonstrates to you that people don't get any smarter and time is just circular and we're all just running around the same stupid argument over and over and over. But here we are. I know I've beaten this to death. If the NHL wants to get rid of tanking. The system doesn't work. It just makes teams tank harder and for longer. I don't know how anybody can justify a system where, again... The Red Wings have had the worst luck in it. I understand that. So, And we're Red Wings fans. I understand that. But the Red Wings have been one of the five worst teams in the league for four years in a row. Have one pick inside the top five, zero inside the top three. I, I can't understand how anybody can justify that. Do I understand the need for a lottery or something to prevent tanking? Yes, absolutely. I get it. I'm not sitting here and saying I want to see anybody... Uh, do a repeat of what Buffalo and Arizona did in the hunt for McDavid. I was so happy to see them not get it because that was atrocious and that should never happen again. The things the Pittsburgh Penguins did way back when to get Mary Lemieux, et cetera. Like, I get that. And I'm not going to sit here and say there's a perfect solution. There is the gold plan, but that's way too radical for the NHL to ever do. So I'm I'm pretty much just giving up on it. If there's a way, it shouldn't be a three-team lottery first off. That's asinine. It sh if you're not in the bottom 10, you shouldn't be involved. The, the fact that the Chicago Blackhawks jumped up from like 12th to get Kirby Dock, the fact the New York Rangers have Alexi Lafreniere, like this shouldn't happen. If you want to do a lottery to prevent tanking and you want to do it two spots, bottom 10 teams, hell, if you want to do it even odds, that's better than what they're doing now. Because at least if a bottom 10 team gets it, you can justify it. And the worst teams can't pick worse than third. It's an arbitrary cutoff. I get it. Different drafts have different cutoffs from the strength, et cetera, et cetera. But, or just keep the exact same system you have and just way stretch out the odds in their favor. The fact the worst team only has an 18.5% chance is disgusting. That should be 40% minimum to get number one. 
I, I don't know. I hate, 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 hate the current system with a passion. And everybody knows that. I've made no secret about it. The reasons this system are in place are wrong or fundamentally wrong. Do you think if the Red Wings got, I'm not even going to say two first overall picks, let's say first and third overall in back-to-back years, if we had Rasmus Dahlin and, I don't know, Bowen Byram hypothetically right now, do you think the Red Wings are as bad off as they are right now? No, absolutely not. Those guys are probably in the NHL already or coming in or whoever they picked if they didn't pick Byram or they didn't pick whoever. It doesn't matter. I like Mo Sider. I like Philip Zadina. They're not franchise changers. And the Red Wings miss out on franchise changers year after year after year after year. And we're not the only team that got absolutely screwed by the lottery. I get that. I So it's not like I'm just call, crying through Red Wings colored glasses. What I, I know what's going to happen objectively in my head without knowing what's going to happen. They're going to change the system in a draft where nine players are in consideration to go first overall. They'll make it so the Red Wings get first overall and we'll all be happy. And then the next two drafts where there's generational talents, we won't be eligible for first overall. So we'll get the week number one in a 10-year span. And they'll be like, oh, see, you got the guy who is marginally better than the sixth best pick that year. And then they'll be like, but we're putting a limit on how many first overall picks you can get. So Shane Wright, you are not eligible for him. I know this is what's going to happen. I don't know what rules they're going to put in place to make this happen, but I know this is what's going to happen. The Red Wings are going to draft Alex Daigle, and the next year they're not going to be eligible to draft Schwane Schmgretzky. Like, (laughs) it's going to be something stupid like that. Here's my proposal. We put Evan in a dark room. Sorry, not even a dark room. Locked in a room with a golf simulator and a toilet and a mini fridge full of snacks for 365 days. And at the end of it, we say, Evan, you've watched no hockey. Pick the draft order. That's it. I can do it. Just I can make that sacrifice. <laughs> I think that would be more true to what teams need those picks than what we have right now. It, uh, I, again, I can't even fathom how anyone defends this system. I will hear arguments. Don't get me wrong. I will hear arguments for a draft lottery. I think there are better solutions than a lottery, but I will hear arguments for it. But if you're trying to tell me where the worst team can pick fourth, a team that barely missed the playoffs can pick first is okay. I, I'm not going to take any of your hockey opinions seriously. <laughs> well, that's that. I, I'm hoping they come up with something so that we not only have more to talk about, but so it changes. Um, and then maybe Brad will see him actually combust. Uh, but in the meantime, I think we should talk a little bit about the Red Wings in Europe. First and foremost, uh, last episode, we accidentally said that Jonathan Bergeron plays for uh, Forlunda, just because it seems like a lot of Red Wings play for Forlunda. He plays for Skeleftia. We Skeleftia. Skeleftia. Okay, well, you're the one who said Forlunda, so how are you going to correct me on the pronunciation of Skeleftia? <laughs> I have slept three hours over the past four weeks. I am not the one who should be fact-checking anything. It's it's Sir Types a lot over there should be the one ch- fact checking. I couldn't even say the name, so I didn't interrupt. <laughs> Listen, I know Bergeron plays for Schleftia, but I think it's understandable given that every other Red Wings prospect on the face of the earth plays for Furlunda that it's an acceptable slip. Um, the uh, Niederbach had another big game in Sweden. He plays in the Furlunda system, but he plays for the J20s right now because there isn't really a lot of room for him on a strong Furlunda team. He's getting Lucas Raymond. Lucas Raymond did for all intents and purposes up there. He's sometimes the 13th forward, uh, not playing a ton of minutes, but still uh, when he gets called up, it doesn't do 
too much or doesn't get played at all. But when he plays in the J20s, he's tearing it up. So Niederbach is 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 crushing it. Ryan, did you did you see the videos of his two goals today? Yeah. As a former defenseman, how did they make you feel? Uh, horrified. Yeah, I could have scored those goals. That was the worst defending I've seen above House League maybe ever. Right, which is to say that he's playing in a league that's not strong enough for him. Yeah, I know. And then he goes up and gets two minutes with uh, the Forlunda SHL team. I think he literally played two and a half minutes his last game up. <laughs> yeah, and it's uh, you get it, right? Like the SHL, it's not a development league for the NHL. That's not their purpose. I mean, it is right now for the Red Wings, but that's not what their intention was. Um, and he needs kind of a tune-up, some tune-up time after coming back, obviously, from his his uh, rough injury. It's been some time now, but you still want, kind of want to pace that. But yeah, at some point, you want to see him get some more significant minutes because I think he still is an exciting Red Wings prospect. Uh, oh, yeah. Albert, you, you would, in, in a league that terrible, you would want to see him absolutely clown the entire league. And that's what yeah. he's doing. It's not, it doesn't hurt his development for sure. But at some point, you need him to take the next step. So that's something that we'll want to keep an eye on. Uh, Albert Johansson is gross. There was ever projections of him being uh, not good offensively. Those are wrong. Yeah, he is. He might be the best Red Wings defensive prospect, not named Mo Sider. I mean, I'm still big on Tuomisto. I'm still big on Wallander. But holy hell, does this guy has this guy added a few dimensions to his game that we didn't know he had? I shouldn't even say didn't know because he legitimately didn't have them last year. He was great at the things he was great at, but walking the line, juking uh, defenders the way he is, uh, finishing on it seems like every game he either sets up a goal, scores a goal off the rush, or it's a damn near. There's a couple damn close misses. I know he's not the biggest guy in the world, but man, there are not a lot of holes in his game. It, it, it might be, we might be getting close to the point of saying he's closer to Mo Sider than William Wallander and Antti Tuomisto are to him. And he plays on the left side. So sticking with Hronik, stick, or at least he's left-handed. So sticking with Hronik, sticking with Sider, that's important for Detroit, especially if McIsaac is, and I'm not saying he is, but if McIsaac falls away due to injuries or repeated injuries, it's important to have someone coming up the left side of your defense. So that's that's really good for Detroit. Um, exciting as hell. Again, this is just a classic hook on Anderson pick. Um, he was a guy who's really big on him. A lot of European scouts talked to hook on Anderson about how uh, great of a pick it was for Detroit. So Look, we rip a lot on on Holland and Wright and what the mistakes they made. This might be oh no, stupid, 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 stupid. That was uh, Eisman's first draft. That was Tyler Wright's last draft. That's what it was. Yeah, but who knows? He had uh, how much he actually had to do with it, knowing he was going out the door shortly. Who knows? Anyways, uh, another exciting player to watch, of course other than the obvious of Raymond and everyone else. Um, very quickly here, the NHL has tentative plan, or sorry, the AHL has tentative plans to open up on February 5th, much like the NHL opening up on, on or around January 1st. I'll take it with the biggest grain of salt you have. Um, but that would be extremely important news for Red Wings development and where players would play this year. So uh, obviously you want these things to happen safely and for, for the AHL to be ready for it. But um, if they can do that and, and stay afloat financially and, you know, health wise, um, huge, huge, huge for development systems. Um, Alex Galchenyuk, one year in Ottawa, $1.05 million. 
Neat. I mean, he'll yeah. get some ice time there, so that's a good landing spot for him. I know he was one of the guys that I figured would fit in as a side project for Detroit if they wanted him, but hey, Ottawa makes just as much sense. And yeah, yeah. it's crazy if you would tell Montreal fans in like four years that he'd be playing in Ottawa for a million dollars. They'd probably laugh in your face. Man. Some Maybe not. Who knows? I don't know. They're, you can never... Uh, can never really predict French. Um, so excuse me, uh, Canadians <laughs> fans. I try not to tell uh, Habs fans too much, just because they tend to respond aggressively, mm-hmm. no matter what you say. I've said the most like tepid stuff online about them, about the Habs, and they just they will murder you. Leafs fans will annoy the shit out of you, but Habs fans will absolutely murder you. Like I'm afraid for my life a little bit. Um, and then last point here is. Uh, Dallas Stars, the the retro, reverse retro jerseys are coming out, but some teams are still coming out with third jerseys before that. You you saw the Dallas Stars like lime green jersey, Evan? Oh yes, I retweeted it. You retweeted that? That yes. got the coveted Evan Lobsinger retweet. Not for good reasons, but I'll I'll let you continue if you had a point to make. Oh, I kind of I like I think they're objectively awful, but I kind of like them. Okay. Oh oh okay. I think they're objectively awful and I don't like them. I came around on uh uh Philly's like black and highlighter orange. I think I like those. I think I do. So I was like, by the same token, I can't hate on these. I think the logo's a little plain. I think they could have done something different with that, but uh I kind of dig the black and, and neon green, and I think it would look sweet on the actual jersey. Yeah, it's one thing to critique the jersey. It's another to to see what it actually looks like with full gear and on ice. Um, but I'm still not convinced. It's like they, for me, it looks like they tried to do something bold and exciting, but it came out just kind of very plain, a, a poor attempt at it. I think they're still going to be getting a retro reverse throwback. If my understanding is correct, that that was just their third. Um Brad, what do you think about the Stars highlighter jersey or their laser tag jersey? I like it. I mean, it's nothing super crazy. It's it's black and neon green is always a, a fun concept, and I think they did an, uh, a good enough job piecing it together with a decent logo. It's simple. They didn't go too over the top with, like, infinity neon green, like those stupid color rush Seattle Seahawks jerseys. <laughs> so, I mean, they're they're fine. They do look better in person because we got a shipment in at my store, so I got to actually see them in hand. Along with the new Vegas jerseys, which, by the way, that material is is weird on the Vegas jerseys. Oh, to get like the shiny. Yeah, gold? it's interesting. Is it heavier or no? It it feels like it would be. Hmm. Um. Okay. That is what we'll wrap up with in terms of content. We're going to start in with Overtime now. Uh, This is a midweek episode, so Overtime is Patreon exclusive. Um, Patrons, we promised you a jersey giveaway, and uh, we haven't done it yet. Our friend uh, and our, our... amazing you know constant podcast sponsor of all these contests uh everett uh wants to give away 
another jersey for you guys in celebration of his recent birthday. So wish um, Everett at Born to Dan Hard on Twitter and Instagram a happy birthday. And we are going to be giving away a, a custom Red Wings jersey to a lucky patron. Um, our last two jersey giveaways have been um, open to all, including patrons, but we want to make one of these uh, specifically for you guys. We have a ton of new patrons where we've been getting um, a lot of great support and we want to reward that. Um, so over the next few episodes, we are going to be uh, automatically entering you guys into this draw and we'll let you know uh, probably sometime in November um, as to who won it. You don't need to do anything. It's already there. So if you want to enter to win, become a patron and you're automatically entered. Um, and we'll count after the episode as for, for uh, patrons who contributed, et cetera, et cetera. I'll do all the boring stuff. Um, also, a, you guys should have or patrons should have received a big batch of um, swag. So if you have that, tweet it out, post it, show it off. Uh, we've sent out bumper stickers, holographic stickers, uh, podcast stickers, um, coasters, and I actually just got a shipment, a small shipment of uh, uh, acrylic pins. So uh, name level sponsors, you can automatically have one if you want. And we will give away some acrylic pins to random patrons uh, in the coming weeks as well, if you guys are interested in those. So let's get started with overtime. The first comment here is from Rob Byram, who says, hello, over front. Hello from over in Lagos, uh, new patrons. So welcome Rob Byram to the Winged Wheel Podcast family. It says, long story, but maybe I can tell it one day in person. Anyways, I don't think anyone in Africa really knows what hockey is. Ice may be quite popular being that it got up to 37 degrees Celsius today. <laughs> uh, I'm a bit surprised by the Burt one-year deal, but I totally think he's betting on himself. We'll see if it pays off for him with, uh, with a strong dealer at the table. Stevie. Garrett TV says, sub hockey amigos. Ah, shit. I missed part of a comment. Uh, since Ryan's a jerk and refused to read all of my exceptionally, like, really long comment last episode, I'll just copy and paste the part he missed. Spoiler, it was a good part. Uh, wouldn't hate you guys if you wanted to go back to one episode a week or five to six per month during the offseason. Your content has been great, and I imagine it's been a Herculean effort. Kudos, fellas. Love what you've done all these years. Ryan, you're welcome. I know this feedback means the world to you. Hey, don't don't do my words for me. That makes me think of new words, and that's tough on my smooth brain. Also, Brad, thanks. I'll check out Paris. Cheers, boys. Let's go Red Wings. Uh, Ryan Hanna brand wings and pizza. Not pizza, but, you know. Uh, so Mitch Miller's a douche canoe. It makes the, If he makes the NHL, he'll be the most hated player of all time. Who's a player nobody likes, even their own players? Player who comes to mind for that was Sean Avery with his disgraceful comments. His book was good, though. Who has the nicest shoulder patch? It's hard to decide between the Avs and the Blackhawks for me, um, or all time, I believe, uh, maybe the Red Wings. The Avs use their third jersey, their third logo as their shoulder patch, right? I believe so. I'm just trying. Washington's got a killer shoulder patch. Um, Vegas's is good. Oh, does uh does Vancouver still use Johnny Canuck or no? I think so. Because when they that one was a plus when they had it, but I got a gut feeling they don't anymore. I don't, I don't care enough to look it up, but uh, yeah, those are the ones that come to mind uh woodson number two says uh wow what a long way we've come to we've come together from demon dog farts to arguing about pineapple on pizza to waiting about 14 minutes into every episode to hear evan's first words and confirming he's actually there today this is the best pod and thank you guys for putting out such meaningful content thank you woodson I forgot uh, about at least time the, to evan <laughs> yeah <laughs> where is time to evan are you alive 
it's been a while. What's more? Oh my God, Evan, I forgot you were here. Uh, what's more realistic? Bertuzzi signing a four-year contract next year or Lucas Raymond and Bergeron are on the Red Wings on the 2021-22 roster? I think Bertuzzi is more likely at that point. The Bergeron thing makes it, in my mind, a little... Like, the both Bergeron and Raymond thing. I think we see Raymond a little bit next year. I wouldn't be surprised to see them wait on Bergeron. Um, Scott Martin says, Hey, boys, been a hot min- minute since my last comment. Was wondering if you had any plans for the YouTube channel moving forward. Maybe short videos reviewing games similar to LFR or something. Cheers from Brantford. Yes, we have a ton of plans. Uh, COVID has ruined a good amount of them, but they're still in the works and it's still stuff. It's not even like, like we talk a lot about, you know, five years down the road for maybe doing this full time. It's not even that. It's like we're, we're talking like in the immediate term. So um, keep an eye out for that. Um, game reviews, short, quick hits, clips like that. Additionally, um, Brad's going to be doing a lot more of the hockey card content. You guys have loved that. So we'll be doing more uh box and pack on open or on openings uh openings and giveaways uh i'll be streaming nhl 21 um evan will bring be bringing you guys to the golf course i'm sure not just, anytime soon well i mean yeah um yeah a, a ton and we are looking for feedback on that on the youtube front um also you know, just putting this out there if anyone's good with like online stores and stuff let us know uh, reach out via email might be able to use your help in the short term just kind of need to figure some things out and again we have a bunch of smooth brains over here um, and brad is maxed out completely with kids and i have residual maxed outness because of brad's kids and um, evan's soon gonna go into a cryo freeze until hockey comes back Gerald McDonald says, hi, guys. Any thoughts on Stevie voicing his displeasure with the draft lottery and further talks among GMs to review the process? Thanks. And I believe Gerald is a new patron, so welcome, Gerald. I'd be shocked if Eisenman wasn't the one leading that charge. Yeah, Eisenman plays it smooth and professional and coy to the media. You have to know he's the one telling all the other GMs that they're stupid if they disagree that this system is bullshit. And he's scary enough they might listen. He's very scary. Like, I think the only people who might not care are like mobsters, like Lamorello. <laughs> uh, and even then, they'll be too distracted giving, you know, death players seven-year contracts. Uh, Jake Kiefer says, so far this offseason, Stevie has only made strategic short-term deals. Part of me wonders if Steve should proactively address Hronik. At a high level, I see resemblance uh, as a player between Hronik and Klingberg. I remember being in shock when Dallas, Dallas locked him up at, uh, for seven years at 4.25. Do you feel Hronik has proved enough for the Wings to lock him up now? If yes, what would be the max term in dollars you'd be willing to agree with if you're Eiserman? Oh, I don't know if I'm there yet on knowing what Hronik's going to be because the argument's hard with him. Is he as good because of as he is because of opportunity? Or did he get the opportunity because of how good he is? And with how bad the Red Wings defense is, I legitimately do not know the answer there. I know he's good. I know he's a guy we want to keep around for the long term. I'm still not convinced he's a true top pairing guy. Um, yeah, I, I really don't know what to make of Hronik in the big picture still. Um, Jake says my personal max would be eight years by 5 million. I think it'd be a lot now, but pay off tremendously down the road. Thanks for the content. Uh, blue says once the Timashov and Mantha contracts are done, it will look, 
It looks like that will bring the wings to uh, the 50 contract limit. I'm not so well versed on the CBA to know the ins and outs of how difficult or easy it is to create room to free up spots if you're at the limit, but want to add other players. In the MLB, you can designate players for assignment to create room on your 40-man roster. Is there a similar process in the NHL? I'd hate for the wings to be unable to work the waiver wire and or add a cap dump to accumulate more assets. Could you give a Cliff, Cliff Notes explanations on how the process works? Thanks, boys, and stay safe. Yeah, like that the the contract limit is there and the teams 50, do I believe to, 50 50 51. I think it's like. 50 and that's like including AHL. Like I, I don't think it's straight up AHL deals count towards it. Any two-way or one-way deal I believe counts towards it. Anything signed by the Red Wings counts towards it. Yeah, and it is 50. Uh they currently according to Cap Friendly at 44 out of 50 contracts. Uh yeah, you're right. If you want to add someone on the waiver wire, uh you need to move a contract out, which is why you see a lot of teams pass on decent players coming through the waiver wire cuz they don't have anyone to ship out and they just they can't in time. Um that said, this year's a little different. You don't know if teams are going to get an allowance for more contracts. You don't know if teams are going to get an allowance to carry more players on their active roster. What what, what can you bring to a game? Is it 20 players, 21? Um, like dressed for a game? Yeah. Or like is that counting the three healthy scratches? It's counting the scratches, sorry. Uh, so you're allowed to dress 12 forwards, six defensemen, two goalies. So that is 20 and you're allowed three in the press box. So 23 like it's not just those like that counts for what you can bring to a game but yeah the 50 the 50 contract limit anything signed by the red wings whether they're in the ahl you know that's there um so that's pretty tight and you do see teams move up towards that um i don't think there's as much flexibility as baseball but at the same time teams who are in the business of getting better players will tend to try to move them out beforehand unless you get a great player coming down the waiver wire that they weren't expecting and then teams are left scrambling to to try and make a deal in time um that said again covid could change things teams could get a, a flexibility here that's been rumored cody stark says would you rather not ever see the red wings win another stanley cup in your lifetime or have cheeto dust fingers for the rest of your life can't wear gloves everything you touch gets covered in cheeto dust man that is awful i hate when cheeto dust gets on paper i'm i might avoid the cheeto hands i honestly might that's an everyday pain so if i lick the cheeto dust off my fingers do i have like a five second window before it magically comes back or is it instant no whatever you touch gets i think you oh you've had four cups yeah, we've had four. Well, I can't snowboard, so uh, <laughs> that this is a very easy pick for me, unfortunately. Could you Why imagine you what the inside of my hockey gloves would look like after one season? Oh, my God. They already smell bad enough. <laughs> I think I, man, I really want to justify picking a Red Wings cup here, but I don't know if I can. <laughs> I would rather cut off a pinky finger than do the Cheeto dust, honestly. If I cut off the tips of my fingers, does the Cheeto dust just move down? Podcast hosts desperately try to find compromise between Stanley Cups and Cheeto dust. Sounds like an onion headline. Uh, Josh Terrell says, do you guys have any favorite college teams in the NCAA? Uh, Yeah, Michigan. Go blue. Evan Evan doesn't know what the NCAA is. No, I don't. I I never watch it because it's very hard to find on TV, if ever on TV. So I don't follow it. Just promise that you won't be an Ohio State fan. That's all I care about. I won't be. I won't pick anyone. 
Uh, perhaps I can talk you into pulling from Michigan with some wings and pizza. Team is loaded with current and future NHL picks this year and should be an interesting follow. Oh, dude, if you, uh, if anybody wants to do any scouting for the upcoming draft this year, just watch Michigan. Owen Power, Kent Johnson, and uh, uh, Luke Hughes. They're, it's ridiculous. Every late birthday high pick, I swear to God, they have. Uh, Lars, the prophet of the towering behemoth says, now, if I were Stevie, I would go talk to young Bertuzzi and say, see little birdie, I have a problem here that you can solve. Take your contract to arbitration and we'll settle on a one-year deal. We didn't even talk about the bio window. That's open. It's going to be open on Friday. Oh, it um, opened, it, I thought it or, opened immediately for some reason. No, no, sorry. It's going to be open on Thursday. It opens it's COVID adjusted rules. It opens two days after. So on Thursday for 24 hours. So as of tomorrow, Eisman will have 24 hours if he wants to initiate another buyout, Franz Nielsen. And and obviously it makes sense that they have to do this because if a player gets awarded a contract that pushes a team over the salary cap, they have to be able to adjust if anybody's wondering why this is in place. So obviously this doesn't impact the Red Wings, but rules is rules. Yeah. Um, Take your contract to arbitration and we'll settle on a one-year deal. This opens up a possibility for me to nuke Franz Nielsen's contract to hell. If you do this small favor for me, I will pay you back on a longer-term deal next year. Now I, now would I, as Stevie Y, break any rules if I did this? Wish you all a full tree bucket of wings and pizza. Stop. <laughs> They're trying to get me to slip now. Uh, for Halloween, keep up the great work. I, I'm sure it would technically break the rules, but they'd have a hard time proving it. Um, Hassam Al-Qasem says, so you probably already said your takes on the stars Jersey, but I just noticed some things about it that made me change my mind and decide I like it on the right side. There's a star, which you wouldn't think twice about, but if you notice the neckline, this is actually the Texas flag that goes around the neckline, which is dope. And then on the inside of the back of the neck has common take it, which is a slogan Texans have adopted many moons ago. And then the redesign of the logo is cool. The only thing I hate is a highlighter color. Also for Mitch Miller. Uh, I love small details on jerseys. Uh, TJ Nasty says, "'Tis a glorious day, gents. The AHL has announced they will tentatively start February 5th. As far as prospects, whom do you see in the starting lineup that night? Thanks, guys, and cheers. Side note, scary moment for Cider. Yeah, Cider took a skate to the neck, was protected by his uh, neck guard. Could have been really, really ugly. It still amazes me those aren't mandatory in the NHL. Absolutely amazes me. In terms of who's there in the AHL, that might not be pretty because of the Europe loans, right? Yeah, well, the AHL is not starting till February, though. Like, the Euro season is not going to be ending too long after that. So we might not see them at the start of the season, but I wouldn't be surprised to see uh, Cider or Berggren or Valeno or any of these guys really come over and finish the year in the AHL. I, I think we could see a huge influx, but who's going to be there day one? Yeah, it's it's going to be a rough month. <laughs> yeah, yeah uh c nods says quick question if the great one played in this era what do you think his prime point total would be in one season so it's you have to look at what he did relative to his peers so if we assume Connor mcdavid is mary lemieux gretzky's probably in the 130 to 150 range most seasons yeah he was he was comfortably ahead of lemieux most seasons uh, obviously lemieux had the health issues but even if we go beyond Lemieux, I mean, Steve Eisman is the only player not named Gretzky or Lemieux to break 150 points in a season, and Gretzky put up 215. He, like, 
Yeah, no, like if if 100 points is a big deal these days, Gretzky would be putting up 130, 140. Um, yeah, I, I think we can count on maybe the peak being at least 150 in my mind. I could see a 160 to 170 season if I'm considering Kucherov's 130. What's this based off of? Literally nothing other than conjecture in my head. I'm sure there's numbers that we can draw up here that would make it a little bit more accurate. Yeah, if Maybe you wanted to, uh, like, there's probably a calculation you can do where take Gretzky's season where he scored X points, take the next 10 highest scores, average their points, figure out the percentage difference, and apply it to the percentage of those same 10 scores this year. I'm not doing that. <laughs> no, that's for our math nerd. That's for our math nerd over there. Um, I see the uh, how many points it's in HF boards post F. Well, I'm not reading through that. That's painful. Uh, Stevie Langerman says, hey, gents, thanks as always for the pod. Uh, before my question, Ryan, wings and pizza. I'll seriously never get over that, nor will any one of us ever let you live that down. That was genuinely one of the funniest things I've ever heard. Just too good. The greatest Freudian slip ever. I'll have what he's having. Uh, it says something when my best contribution ever to this podcast was a mistake. Um question since my since cider's massive hit last week in the shl i've been thinking about what the nickname will be for his hits when he gets to the wings what do you guys think is going to be his version of cronwald was thinking maybe something in the mode over realm any obvious ones i'm not seeing thanks again gents let's go red wings look the cronwald one was convenient like it was fortunate that it worked hockey fans and hockey players are not creative we're gonna say cidered and that's gonna be the end of it (laughs) like yeah that's that's the answer it it sucks but it's not creative but it's the easiest and it it's a good sound bite uh josh yelton new name level sponsor josh welcome to the show we gotta get you some swag um so glad to be a, uh, finally be a Patreon supporter of the Winged Wheel uh, podcast family. Been listening to you guys re- since right before Stevie came home and have been a supporter slash fan ever since. Cheers from Grand Rapids, boys. Can't wait to get out to Grand Rapids someday. It was, Thanks, it was, COVID. Yeah, it was the last thing ruined by COVID for us. No, the last thing ruined by COVID for us was the draft that we were supposed to be at two months later. Yeah, that's and true. the uh, Grand Rapids game where I was going to eat as many hot dogs as humanly possible. It was hot dog night the first of the two games, wasn't it? And the next and night the- was Hawaiian shirt margarita night or something. Oh, yeah. no. Why? Yeah. I was remind at- me of this, Evan. That was the last time I was happy. I was doing all right today. Now I'm sad. Thanks for nothing, you asshole. And it was also going to be our first time ever credentialed for a pro hockey game. So, <sighs> Oh, really? Yeah. God damn it, Evan. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> yes, you did. We had these conversations with each other, Evan. Listen, that was like <laughs> how many COVID months ago? That may as well have been a decade ago. Evan, when we tell you something and you say, well, I didn't know that, why do you do that when we can consistently show you the screenshots where you answered the <laughs> chat? <laughs> we always have the receipts. Well, I just need the proof. Ah, <laughs> uh, This is, I wish... That we could just put our Facebook uh, Messenger group chat into the public realm, like as a steady stream, because that is way more entertaining than anything we say on this podcast. Oh my god, it would for sure garner way more attention. I think it would be on par with the Bachelorette each night. Ooh, oh. <laughs> Ryan's trying to coordinate the time with the podcast. Hold on, he's trying to get Evan to answer a specific question. Let's see. Six hours later, Brad's talked about something else. Evan has answered Brad, but not Ryan. Ryan, I usually <laughs> reply pretty quick. What is this? Yeah, I may I'm not the one say who takes much, forever but I reply. reply. I'm the I'm the slow replier, and then I'll give you an a, a quick answer, and then you guys will 
come up with some other name bullshit like, hey, can we go early? Like today, can we go early one of the next two days? To which I check my calendar and my immediate answer is no. So then I'm like, all right, <laughs> let me... <laughs> Let me see what I can work around. And then I'm like, okay, we can go at 7.30 today if we start. Which was Evan's right, idea. 7.30 which was, was Evan's idea. Right at 7.30 because I have to be done at 9. It is currently 8.56. Because <laughs> Evan at 7.15 went, still at this house showing. <laughs> Not my problem. Not my problem. Not my problem. Uh, and then because I know how you two dickheads usually operate, I'm like, all right, I have shit to do, so I am not going down to the computer until I get confirmations that you're both fucking in the room. You know what Evan said today as we were waiting for you? He goes, I bet this is what it's like waiting for me. I was like, yeah, it is what it's like <laughs> waiting for you, Evan. <laughs> it won't change a thing, but I just made that observation. Uh, tiny little Baby, minuscule, irrelevant steps. That's what they always say. Uh, last comment here from Lou Williams says, Wings and pizza on the mind, eh, Ryan? Well, if you're ever in Atlanta, I know a good place. Feel free to hit me up. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I always wanted, I've always wanted to go to Atlanta, so I will, but I'm not sure about that. Um, it's so good. It's worth missing 10 days in Disney World to quarantine. Quick questions. Ryan, who takes over the second Red Bull seat if Albon is out? Um, I would love for it to be Hulkenberg, but it looks like Checo is the one heavily rumored there right now. I think Checo will be fantastic, but if you're looking at dynamic with Verstappen, Hulkenberg is way more reliable. Checo might be better on pace, but I, I think they're all, they're close enough where I'd give it to Hulk. Uh, I think quick observation. Uh, just my knowledge of sports outside of like three. I don't know if you're talking about F1 or the Premier League right now? <laughs> F1. Okay. <laughs> when they talk about second seat, they're talking about um, there's two seats for like two cars for every team. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. Uh, Evan, who's your favorite for the Masters? Oh, man. That is a tough question. I haven't actually really thought about who I think's a favorite. I, oh, man, it's hard to say be against Bryson right now, but I fucking hate that guy. <laughs> He's the most punchable face in sports. Really? Uh, Even over um, uh, Patrick Reed? Patrick Reed, yeah. No, okay, I take that back. (laughs) The second most punchable face in all sports. Um, If it's not Bryson, I really like Matt Wolf's game right now. He's hitting it further than Bryson uh, and doesn't look like an absolute meat tube. (laughs) Um, But hard to... Hard to bet against DJ as well. He's hitting it further than Matt Wolf consistently in tournaments. So it'll be really good. I think this year it's going to be really good. And it'll be the first really, really good one without Tiger competing. I don't think Tiger has a chance in hell this year, but you never know. He won last year. Every once in a while, I want someone to ask a golf question just to get Evan's unfiltered answer on something. It's so <laughs> this is good. the first time in my recollection of being a golf fan that there's actual villains in golf that people hate people hate bryson they hate patrick reed and they hate brooks kepka but Wait, brooks kepka is more of a bit of a mixed bag why do people hate kepka i haven't he's that, that's news to me he kind of comes off as the like douchey jock says whatever he wants which people appreciate because it's always boring interviews with everyone else but he comes off as very cocky He's the um, PK Subban of golf. Yeah, but way less cringy Instagram videos. <laughs> okay, well then that makes me like him even more. Yeah, I like I like Brooks because 
he you know says it as he is but then on the other hand he'd be like oh i don't even care about golf he's like i i would never practice and, like, <laughs> and then you know goes, that's not true but he if, says it if he says i never practice and then goes out and dummies the field that says more about the field than it does him <laughs> yeah it's yeah but it's great right now it actually makes golf interesting to watch because there's people you can root for and the people you love to root against um brad the last part of that question was he wants you to answer both the f1 question and the golf question no and because it's nine sharp uh i'm going to wrap up this episode of the winged wheel podcast and thank all of our listeners our name level sponsors um terry arjun shanker ra brendan lee zach spring citizen high five cody stark greech jeremiah dobo jake kiefer uh ryan hannah brand wings and pizza tm and, and it doesn't say pizza. Uh, Andrew Bohan, Scott Martin, Jacob Turner, Matt McKay, Craig Kibble, Brandon M., Matthew M. Rice, Luke Johnson, Kaylin Wood, Hassam Al-Kassem, Charlie Elkins, Hannah Lee, brand new name level sponsor Josh Yelton, another former junior goalie turned golfer, Trevor Pevavar, Evans Bingo Card, Michael Alsante, Ashley Van Conant, Connor Leighton, Matthew Keeler, Rob Rasso, Simon Anderson, Stay Fresh Cheese Bags of Fournier Company, Antonio Gracias, John Evans, Quaz and Stan Olson. Thank you guys so much. We will see you on Sunday. Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.